1: Welcome to Got Tech the podcast. This is episode number 42 called 20 ways to use Google Sites in the one-to-one classroom. In this episode, we are going to take a look at how teachers can use Google Sites for their own use within education. And we're also going to take a look at how students can use Google Sites for their student-centered learning. Check it out. welcome back episode 42 Nick how, how you doing this week
0: i'm doing good it's um it's one of the busier times of the year once you kind of get back into school and you're trying to find that routine again coming in after after the summertime is over and you're sort of starting to feel it out and figure out maybe what your new schedule is like and what you know things you want to change or just procedures stuff you want to try differently so there's always like i don't know i feel like the sort of the middle of september or the at least the first few weeks are kind of like some of the most intense of the whole year cuz everybody's kind of in that same same boat.
1: Yeah, and I can definitely express that same feeling because I have a lot of teachers coming up to me and asking me questions about routine. They, they thought they came into the school year with a routine that was going to work for them, but they realized that's not what they wanted. So what they want to do is try to get in a routine or try to find a place to hold resources so they're not looking through their Google Drives and things like that. A uh, couple of teachers have asked me if I've ever used Google Sites, new Google Sites. These are all questions that are relevant to today's episode, which is going to be all about new Google Sites and some of the projects and ways that we could stay organized with new Google Sites. That's really exciting. I think Google Sites is an amazing tool and it kind of
0: opens a lot of different doors to teachers. And new Google, we're calling it new, but I think new, like at least the newer, newer version of Google Sites, it's It's been around for a couple of years now, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it's definitely been out for a couple of years and they're always adding new stuff and uh, uh, new ways to, to make it more user friendly. And I I think that's what we're going to go through today. We're going to talk a little bit about how new Google Sites, let's just call them Google Sites from now on, forget the old Google Sites, new Google Sites or Google Sites, um, just ways that the teachers can use them to kind of help in their classroom and help stay organized and then also how can we use uh, Google Sites to drive student-centered learning and we have 20 great ideas fantastic ideas for you today and 10 of them are going to be how teachers can use them and 10 of them are going to be how they could be used in the student-centered classroom.
0: So, that's kind of funny because I literally just as I was walking down here uh, to record today's or to, to record this episode, um, I've been doing a, we'll get into this more later, but I've been doing a Google Sites kind of based project for years now and I was just going back and forth with some of the other teachers that I do the same project with who had for some reason still been using the old Google Sites. I don't know. I just... Maybe they didn't know that it had switched over or they just never noticed it and we we're arguing because I think it's so user friendly and so easy and it lets the students build really a professional looking website with like almost no training, no information, no you don't need any coding, you don't need anything. It's a really drag and drop and the old one was that way too but the new one especially so. Uh, but the whole argument was over how user friendly it was. I was saying it was super easy, they were like, nah, I don't really know. Um, but like I said, they didn't even know that the new one was out. So I kind of showed them just a little bit. And I think anybody who checks it out will uh, see just within seconds just how, uh, how simple it is to do. And, and like I said, it's the especially for your students, the user-friendly aspect and creating something that looks, I don't know, I just think it looks awesome
1: when you're finished. For how easy of a product it is to use, how user-friendly it is, it is very easy to create a website and to share it out in minutes. But, I think before we go any further, we should just say that this is part of the Google Suite for Education. Um, if you have all the other apps that go with it, this, this this goes with it. So it's something that you probably already have if you are a Google school. Uh, secondly, you talked about how the old one was a little bit more clunkier, not as user-friendly. Well, the new one has an update that was passed out probably a year ago that allows us to convert our old ones to new google sites and it's very simple and yes you'll have to go back and make sure it looks exactly the way that you want but the main shell of your site is there and a lot it's going to save you a lot of time so Do not get rid of those uh, sites that you made on old Google Sites. Just bring them into the new Google Site. So that's something extremely cool. Um, The last thing is, is how does Google Sites compare to other free hosting platforms like Weebly, uh, for example? And the answer is, Google Sites doesn't have um, ads. There's no boundaries. For example, if you don't have to pay anything extra, if you want the ads to go away. uh, Another thing is, is it's found within your own domain. So if if every one of your students has a Gmail account through your high school, then you have permissions that you could just keep that website within your own domain, which is also an added benefit.
0: Yeah, I've built my own website with Weebly and I've built it on both the old and new Google Sites. Um, I find that Google Sites Easier and better, uh, both versions, new and old, than the Weebly one. I know a lot of teachers still build their uh, class websites using Weebly, and you get a you get a similar look. But I think the Google ones actually they look better too, and I and I think they look better also with less effort. Combine that with what you just mentioned, uh, the fact that anybody with the you know the Google, uh, the G Suite like Gmail, you just have it. Anybody can log on right now and make this the free version for you, and also ad free. I just think uh, I think that you can't beat it. And I've had students make websites sites with both Weebly and Google sites is like a class project. And for short, they prefer the Google sites one, obviously, from their perspective, it's just because it's so much, uh, so much simpler.
1: Yeah, I mean, with uh, Google sites, everything is connected to your Google drive. So if you want to upload pictures or things like that, it's, it's just so much easier. So let's just get right into it with uh, Google sites and how teachers can use Google sites. And uh, um, we always say that we have a certain number of them, and then we forget to count them off. I mean, we're notorious for that. So we're going to try to put in a better effort uh, during this episode to say which tool this is, which idea this is. So uh, Nick. I know that you already mentioned this one a little bit maybe you could elaborate on it a little bit for our first one
0: yeah sure so idea number one is probably the most obvious one but if you don't do this yet as a teacher i think it's a necessity and that is just use it to build a class website a class website for me this is guys you and i actually going back years remember or like probably 10 years ago we built our first websites kind of side by side this is like before the district was bringing in any kind of platform we definitely didn't have google what did we use do you remember know uh, what it was? I don't
1: remember what it was, but every we went two steps forward and five steps back for yeah. every step.
0: Well, I think it was like front page or yeah. something like that, or share builder, and we were really excited to kind of bring this, uh, you know, into into our our teaching. But it was annoying because every couple years the school would bring in like a new thing, so we'd. Put all these hours into like our front page website, and then we'd switch to share, share Builder. Then we'd switch to Weebly or something else. So it was frustrating, but in each of those redesigns, it just kind of reminded me of the value of having a class website that your mostly your students can go to uh, to see what they missed if they were absent, to help keep track if they've lost papers. At the high school level, the kids can go there and print out things if they lose them. Uh, from the parent side, they can know. Uh, t- we just had back to school night. I told all my parents the same thing. If you want to know what's happening on any given day. Log on, check it out. Everything's there. Worksheets, answer keys, documents. If your only reason for doing this is to help out the students who were absent so that they don't have to spend as uh, spend as much time checking in with you upon their return. Even while they're out, maybe they're homesick, but they're not so sick so they can do some work. Might help to get them uh, in the habit of just going to your website so they can see what they're missing. I think a class website uh, these days in education is a, a no brainer, and of course Google Sites is like the easiest uh, version to produce one of these.
1: All right, so Nick talked a little bit about class websites, which could be the host page for several of our ideas. Like the next one is parent communication. You talked a little bit about it, but um, anytime that you're gonna do field trips or or there's major news about your classroom, maybe you're gonna be out for a couple days, you want your parents to know that, you know, maybe the homework is gonna be light over those three days, or maybe even heavier for those three days, you can make a little parent page everything that they need to know there. So that was idea number two. Uh, idea number three is just a curation of resources. And this is probably the, I, I use Google Sites as a spot to put all of my resources. I have a page that gives me you know, all my music apps. I give a page that gives me all my you know, public domain images Uh, video files, all that stuff. I'll put them all in there and I don't need to share it with anyone. It could just be with me. And I just have all those resources at the tip of my finger. So if I want to push out a link to a specific resource, I could easily do that to my students. Yeah, I think with curation of resources, it's
0: kind of funny because when you say that, uh, a lot of teachers, especially the more tech-centric ones, these days will go to something like a a Wakelet for a curation of resources. So, you might kind of ask the question, like, why would you need these two vehicles? Um, Wakelet's great. We've talked about it before. Such an amazing tool for kind of doing that, right? Curating resources, bringing things from across the web together in one place, um, letting students collaborate on that curation. But I think that's kind of where the separation starts to happen between a tool like Wakelet and Google Sites. For me, I like certain things to be public and available and permanent all in one place and really, I think permanent like a constant is the best way to say it. So, my students and my parents know they don't have to worry about finding a certain Wakelet board that's mixed in a bunch of others depending on how I've got them organized. Are they public? Are they not? They can just go, it's just my website and it's all organized the same way and it's always there. Um, One thing we didn't mention for those first uh, three ideas with parent communication in the class website piece, just how easily if your worksheets are on Google Docs or Google Slides, how easily those embed into the website. So it's super simple to add them. And then as the viewer of the site to navigate through them. So that curation of like a permanent resource collection that you're going to use year after year, you don't need it to change. And as you update whatever Google Docs or Google Slides are embedded there, they just are also automatically updated. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to change anything. It kind of just is is much more fluid. So that type of resource
1: uh, curation is great. See, I, I would take, I'm going to go against you a little bit here. Okay. With Wakelet. I would use Wakelet still, but you know maybe there's a public collection there. But when I organize my Wakelets, I'm going to have several different ones. Maybe I have one for history, or maybe I'm teaching three different science courses. I'll have a different Wakelet for each. However, on my Google site, I would probably just link all those Wakelet collections to my Google site, and that would be like next level organization there. Just so it's a one-stop shop, I could easily find it without having to sign into Wakelet or without having to go to this place and this place and this place. So I would bring that into my Google site.
0: That's that's a great point. It's kind of like your website is the, the one... is the the airport almost for all of the different things whether you're linking to you know, a wakelet board or flipgrid or anything else you use that's sort of like the spot that people go uh, so I'm I'm glad you pointed that out number 4 we've got here we You know, it's one of my favorite things and that's sort of the same idea as like this airport, this landing page for a flipped classroom, especially if you are flipping your classroom with videos that are on YouTube. I'm assuming that's how everybody's doing it because why would you do anything else? YouTube totally free. Everything's public, really searchable. Of course, Google owns YouTube. So that any YouTube video is also extremely easy to embed in a Google Sites page. When I have my students doing their flipped classroom units, the series of videos that I expect them to watch, they're all just uh, kind of, you know, posted sequentially on a Google site. Beneath each video, I can type in any text directions or add any links, like additional supports that I need them to check out or that are options for them. It To me, like, that's probably my favorite one on this whole list.
1: Yeah. Uh, flipped Classroom is great. It works well with Google Sites. Uh, You and I created one for a course that we both taught, and that was biochemistry. And it's a very challenging course because we bring a lot of organic chemistry in there. And for those science majors out there, I know you're cringing when we say organic chemistry because that's one of the toughest courses in college to get through. But what we did is we made our three units, and then within those units, we had several chapters. So we gave a name to every single lesson that we had, and each lesson Had a video, it had a note sheet, and it had a practice quiz that went with it. So the one thing I like about this course is we taught mainly seniors. Uh, there are a couple juniors, but mostly seniors. And seniors miss the most amount of days because they're going on college visits. Uh, they're going to actual visits from colleges inside of the school. They're 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 taking their SATs. They're I mean the the list is endless. Senior pictures and keep going. Blood yep. drives. I mean we've heard everything, right? Well, with this flipped classroom, they know because we put a schedule for every week. On this site and they know exactly where we are and they know exactly what we missed so instead of trying to come see us and uh, as we're teaching other classes or during our prep period they just go to the site it's all there easy to find they know what they missed that way all that they have to do is ask us any questions that they weren't sure about the next day and the way that we ran that course we always started off of a review from the previous day so they're hopping right in where they belong, even though they missed a day.
0: Yep. I think that's, uh, you know, just again, streamlines, makes it so easy. Everything all in one place. Just like a really simple uh, use of that thing.
1: So let's get into the next one. This is, as a tech coach, this is the one that I use the most now. And this is using uh, Google Sites as class projects and more specifically as a directions page. Typically, when I work with teachers, we sit down, we figure out what type of project we want. And a lot of times, teachers just want to take what they had on paper and they want to put it on the internet. And this is kind of a substitution, but it becomes uh, more interactive, which kind of advances that into higher levels of SAMR or the technology integration matrix, both things which we covered in uh, previous episodes. But the idea is we want students to use the technology and make a product. So what we do with the teachers, we take whatever activity that they want to, you know, digitize and we put it the directions page on a Google site. So anytime a student has a question, they could go there. And we use this for several different types of of, I guess, methods of delivery, which we'll go over a little bit in the Google Sites projects that are student-centered a little bit later. But the class project, what we would do is you'd have an introductory page or a background page. Uh, You will have what they have to do or what role that they're taking on. On another page, you would have any items of clarification such as definitions or anything like that that they need. Then you would have a rubric and then you would have a resource page. And typically those are the five things that make up my Google sites direction page. And it's all there so when you go over it in class, students are following along, they know how to get to that site, and they know exactly what they have to do. Later on, we'll add a six page, which is the project page. And that is more described later on. A lot of times I hear teachers, uh, because I do that same thing, guys, a lot of the time
0: for a class project, I put the directions on a Google site. A lot of teachers will prefer to do that using instead um, a Google Doc or Google Slides even, which I get. There's pretty much everything you can do on a Google site you can do on a Google Doc. You can put links, you can embed pictures. For me, here's the benefit of using a Google site for this instead. Besides the fact that it looks a little cleaner and smoother, I think it's a lot less overwhelming for the kids. If you put all the information into a Google Doc for a project, everything you just listed out, an instructions page, a resource page, a rubric page, Uh, a hints and tips page, an examples page, you'd be looking at about a 10-page document. And if you're pushing that out to a group of students, it kind of seems overwhelming. There's that moment where you can see it on their faces. They're all like, oh my God, this is so much stuff. Look how long this is. And it's just because it's so long but instead that's all on a google site so each of those things is a different link that they can click on to a different page just so they can access it when they need it it just seems more manageable so it's almost like a delivery method that i think is is you know the benefit here
1: going along with that you could also have uh exemplars you could have uh projects from the past that were done instead of pushing those off you know one by one it you know maybe they're in slides or whatever they use to create them you could embed them right into the site so they can see it and easily access it not just when you're going over it but anytime that they want and that will also help them with the quality of work uh the next one number six is absenteeism we talked about it in some of our other ones but you could just have as long as you have your class site and maybe it has the different units and chapters and maybe lessons or maybe you do it on a google calendar which is embedded into your google site all these will help with absenteeism uh, but I also we kind of skipped over this with uh, number four and that was the flip classroom but this also fits in here if you have students that don't like coming to school maybe it gives them anxiety maybe there are other reasons maybe they're sick for a long period of time having a landing page or a website that has all these videos and resources and everything it really helps them especially for the kid with the IEP that needs to look at it two, three, four times to commit it to memory. So all these things are kind of working together. Yeah, one thing I like to do
0: just for the absenteeism kids, even on a non-flipped unit, uh, like say my unit three, whatever it is, it still has their posted like day one, day two, day three, so the student can see whatever happened on each day. I just put a little link and it, and it and they'll usually says something like, were you absent? Question mark. Click here. And then when they click it, it takes them to like an outside resource for how to get the same information. Cause sometimes just pulling up like, oh, we did this worksheet today or we did this project. It's not always enough. So that little extra help, uh, again, kind of coordinated with this one-stop shop airport of uh, resources is awesome for absent kids.
1: All right, so we're gonna go over the next uh, couple pretty quickly. Number seven is contests. And I ran a contest through Google Sites last year. What we did is um, we had a photography contest. And I don't know if you remember it, but I invited anybody with our own domain web or uh, email address to vote on three different pictures that they liked. And we had like 25 or 30 different photos that we displayed, not only in our media center, but also we took a picture of them and we put them up on our Google site. And then we had a Google form that went along with it, but we... We use the Google site to, for anyone that couldn't get up to the media center, they can just go there. And that's how we also voted. All right. So as long as you vote, in one place, there can't be a person voting like two, three, four, five times because you could set those parameters. Right. So again, that embedding, you don't have to click a link
0: to go to the Google form to vote like you would on a Google Doc. It's just right there, right on the screen. Also, um, some of the contests I do in my classes, uh, they're timed, like a time trial kind of thing. And each day they get timed for how fast they can complete a task. And I keep track of those times in a Google Sheet, a spreadsheet that's post it on the website so they can just have the homepage up while they're working and they can see everybody's progress. It works really nice for that too.
1: So number eight uh, is a newsletter. So instead of going out and, especially if you have a class website, instead of going out and creating a newsletter in something like S'more, S'more is fantastic, but if you wanted to keep it all in one area, you could use a Google site as a newsletter. Uh, Number nine is, I I don't want to say it's strictly for chemistry, but you could kind of do this in any subject, but it wouldn't be just a lab. And that's create an online lab manual. So no more running off labs. They get it online. They have their Chromebooks. They could take them back. You'll you'll do a bunch of practices to keep your Chromebook safe, so you're not spilling you know hydrochloric acid on the keys or something like that. But you can make a lab manual, and you could do the same thing in any class. Maybe it's like a do now, and it's you know every day the first thing they do is the do now, which is on the website. Uh, you could do it for an exit slip. You could do it for uh, some type of a uh, reading comprehension activity every. Wednesday is a reading at comprehension activity and they can go there and complete it. Yeah.
0: I love that. This is one of my things. I don't know when I'm going to get to it. Mate, let's say over the next five years, if I'm lucky and I don't have 30,000 other things going on. But uh, if you're new to the show, I'm a chemistry teacher and I really want all my lab assignments, my experiments for class. Just list it out on a Google site, lab 1, lab 2, lab 3. They click, it takes them to that page and that page has what would normally be like the handout, the worksheet that has the intro, whatever the procedure is. The reason I want this instead of the worksheet is because now I can put in bed YouTube videos. Let's say the students are doing a titration. That takes some skill. You got to know like what a burette is and how to clean it and fill it. And yes, I can show those things in class and I will continue to do that but it's there for the kid that was absent. It's there if for some reason somebody wasn't paying attention, or if I went too fast, they can go back and check it out. Um, I can put a link to a Google Doc that opens up for them to record their data. Again, I th- we think we keep teach uh, kind of touching on this like this one-stop-shop aspect of Google Sites that can make stuff so, uh, I don't know, just so so easy. And once you do it, it's there and it's and it's perfect. Which brings us to our last one, which has come up in different ways, and that's number 10, gamification. I mentioned this with contests before, but if you're specifically having students compete in a game atmosphere, uh, the the idea of a leaderboard that updates on its own and students can see because as I type in their times for who's doing what uh, or what what team is winning or how how well they're competing or their score if it's an ongoing score they can see that right on the game uh, the game landing page as well I I love that aspect of that
1: yeah we also use uh, google sites for our uh, digital amazing race as well as our Escape the Rooms, our digitized and blended now Escape the Rooms. So what we've done is we've taken the physical Escape the Room with the digital Escape the Room, meshed them together to make the blended Escape the Room, and we will host that also on Google Sites. So there you have it. There are 10 Google Sites uh, ideas for the teacher. In our next segment, we will get into Google Sites projects that are student-centered.
0: You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at GotTech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech. All
1: right, so let's just jump right into how students can use uh, new Google Sites uh, for their student centered learning. And just like the teacher uh, part, we, have, we had 10 ideas there. We have 10 ideas to share for ways that students can use Google Sites. student-centered learning
0: yeah I think we have a good amount to talk about here I've done a lot of different versions of several of these projects and guys I know that you have too so I'm pretty excited to share some of these and hopefully something will stick for somebody out there I'll start it off with the first one because this is probably what I'm most familiar with and that is you could use a Google site um, sort of like as an e-portfolio as a as a way to record keep what students have done uh, or have learned over the course of a unit or a marking period or maybe even the whole year if it's working out super well for my chemistry class Classes, I do this with when they're learning about. Um, actually, we do this across several units, where they are each assigned an element. And they have to build a website, an informational website about their assigned element. Uh, as they learn things in class, they apply that learning to whatever element they've been assigned and create different subpages for all that new learning. And I, I call that an e-portfolio because to me, it's really sort of them keeping track of what they've learned and applying it to this this new setting, this like sharing of element information. So for me, that's what an portfolio looks like on a Google site. I don't know if you had a different version of that in mind or, or what, but...
1: No. I mean, the the last time that I actually was in a classroom teaching and I had my own students was with the old Google Sites. And I did it there and it still applies. But what I did is I had each student make up their own Google Site and they shared it with me. So it's just a two-way street and I told them that they could share it with their, their parents if they wanted, uh, but I didn't want them to share it with anyone else uh, outside of that that was inside of the class because I want, you know, all their own work to be done. And, uh one thing that they did is i taught biology and each unit each chapter was significantly different because it's a survey course and biology stretches i mean you could break down biology into cell biology anatomy zoology physiology i mean you could just keep going we even taught some chemistry in there yeah so uh each chapter was something different and they always had to put one artifact that they were proud of in that portfolio and then they had to explain you know what they didn't know at the beginning what they learned and how they proved you know what they learned and for the most part you know i didn't get any type of pushback because i was trying to make this their homework it was part of my flipped classroom they were able to work on this in class if they had free time they could work on this at home it was really the wall classroom. So it wasn't something that was super labor-intensive. It's something that they already had, and it turned into a reflection piece. And uh, I thought it worked extremely well. Let's get into the second one, which is um, make a class project page. So we talked about, in the teacher portion, how teachers would make a website with directions. And, uh, well, We the teachers would just add another page, give the students access to it, and allow them to upload their project. And I've done several variations of this one. And usually it has something to do with a screencast, making a screencast, or some type of a video that goes with it, or a presentation that goes with it and you put it onto a website so it just makes especially if you're going to actually present these to the class rather than having every kid come up type in their credentials to get to their thing or sending an email to your teacher and you have to find it in your cluster of emails now you just go to a page you click on the presentation and they're ready to go
0: Do you share the, like, give editing access to all the kids and have them embed their videos themselves? Like, do you trust them with that or do you have them send it to you first?
1: No, what I do, because you could still see when it was editing or edited and all that. What I do is I open it up at the beginning of class when everybody's project's supposed to be done. And they have five minutes and then I take their privileges away. So it's like a tease.
0: Yeah, but that's a that's a cool use. I like that idea. Our our third one, another really cool, and this is maybe my favorite because of how uh, broad this can be and how many cool uses. Uh, how about a class study aid? If you're tired of handing out the same review sheet that you've been using for, I don't know, the past 10, 20 years, maybe turn that review sheet or study guide or whatever it is, sort of digitize it, but in the form of a Google site. And I think we both have different versions of this. I like to do this in the form of a scavenger hunt. And this is going to sound pretty complex, but it's really not. Um, What I do is I create a brand new Google site. And here's why it's so easy and why I like it. All I do is type in the whole... I just give it like a title, like a, like a heading. I type in one question. Usually for me, it's math-based, but you could do this with uh, words as well. Uh, there's one question. They have to calculate something solve to achieve one singular answer. But because of the way Google Sites works, uh, in the URL, the, the beginning of the URL is always the same and kind of standardized, uh, whatever Google Sites calls it. But then the end of the URL is unique to whatever you have titled your page as. Uh, So, what I do is the answer to the question that is on that site that I just typed in is also the ending to the URL, which you can edit so that, and I explain this to the students, They all they get from me is that one initial site. They have to answer the question there. They get the answer. They type that answer into the ending of the URL, and if it's the correct answer, then that links them to the next site in line with the next question. I call this a scavenger hunt, but really it's like a sort of like this, this like a train of websites and they can only get to the next one by finding the answer to the question on the previous one, which gives them the new URL. It's fun because they, it's kind of like forces them to be perfect and, and exact in what they're doing. And it's a challenge. And I think it usually goes, goes pretty well.
1: I actually never heard you talk about that one.
0: Oh, really? I didn't share that with you?
1: No, that, that is awesome. I
0: think it's because I came up with it in the past couple years for my AP kids, but right. it works with the regular guys too.
1: That's uh, really, really cool. The way that I use study aids, uh, last year I worked with a biology, AP biology teacher, honors biology. She teaches both, but um, they were doing the fetal pig dissection. And usually what they do is they... Take pictures and they have to memorize, uh, you know, the picture with all the pins in it and the labels and all that stuff. And for the practicum, they'll just be pins in certain parts of the pig with a number on it. And what they do then is they take that practicum and it's a memorization thing. So she wanted a way to help them study. Uh, for this practicum a little better because really the only time that they had the study was either with the pictures or you know during the class period so what we did is we took the pictures of the pig and they had the labels both the numbers and the parts and what what that organ or what that system did and we made PDFs and these uh, PDFs were clickable so when you uh, we made every uh, labeled part of the pig a link that clicked into a separate like slide, and it gave that part of the pig. So what we did is we had six groups, we broke them down, gave each one of them two systems or two areas of the pig, and they made these PDF image files, which allowed them to kind of like annotate the pictures and study from them. And it was uh, really, really cool. The kids liked it. The teacher liked it. So I, I felt like that was very beneficial in the terms of a study aid
0: yeah the kids like when they can just kind of access that information for even something like a dissection on their own time And I've, I've seen that website get used that you're just talking about and it's actually super effective in a unique way to let the kids kind of work through something that's really normally very skill based um, a fourth one is you could do sort of digitize your book report instead of like an essay format and you can still make you know an essay part of this make that book report on the uh, on the Google site and then sure that essay written piece could and probably should be there but it also lets you bring in all sorts of other stuff too images gifts that play videos that the students find or maybe that they even made themselves anything that you can embed within the uh the site then becomes part of this like living breathing book report page
1: yeah and one thing here is by allowing them to do this they're they're taking ownership If they're doing something, making a project that they have to present or they have to give to their general public, which is probably their classmates, they're going to they're going to take more ownership of that. And that's kind of the key behind this student-centered piece. Uh, number five is project or problem-based learning, uh, PBL. And and really, uh, this is really a transport from paper version to online, which allows you to add videos or other types of resources that kind of come alive uh, into the classroom. But you can have your students easily duplicate your site. And if you put the you know, five or seven different parts of PBL on your site, what these are the requirements that you want them to do onto your site as a template and you share that with them, they could fill that out and make it their own. And real quick, I mean, if you look at all the literature out there, you're going to have five to seven of the same parts and you're going to start with a problem you're gonna do some inquiry. Uh, you got to make sure that everything is authentic and that it's something that is being created here. If it's a, if it's a problem, we need to find some type of a solution. Um, and then after that, the students is gonna. They're going to put their own voice to it. Uh, They'll reflect on their practice. They'll revise it if any changes need to be made. And then finally, they're going to deliver that final project or product, probably in the form of a presentation. And I did this for a stream lab that I made once, and basically they got... They had to test the acidity of three different streams, and I, I, I had a stream table, uh, three setups of a stream table, and we ran water through it, and all three of the streams had three different substrates. One had calcium carbonate, which is a natural buffer. One had sand, one had river rock. And then we added acidity to that, to each one of the streams, and we took the pH. All right, based on that knowledge, they were game commissioners. And they had to stock the three streams based on water temperature, pH, and three different types of trout. And they had to work through a budget and all that. So they came up with their problem. Uh, they, They came up with the solution. They investigated it using data any problems that they had with their, their solution, they had to make changes and revise until they finally presented their budget. And then the class asked them a whole bunch of questions. And I was kind of playing, uh, I don't know what it's called. It was actually a Donald Trump TV show.
0: Oh, yeah. like the Was it The Apprentice? The Apprentice. Yeah, right. It was
1: kind of like that. I said, there, there were seven groups, I think, or six groups. And I said, only one group's going to get hired for this job. And it's going to be based on the Solution that you come up with. And it was kind of cool because, you know, there was. Only one success and a lot of failure.
0: Yeah, I remember when you were doing that uh, stream table project. It was really cool. And the, and the Google site was a nice way to kind of orchestrate that whole process with the kids. Kind of going along with that are, are number six. If you've ever done anything with a CER that's claims, evidence, and reasoning writing style. Typically, this is a science thing, right? It's a way to sort of like a writing model to help kids craft their scientific explanations. Um, you could do, you could use... A Google site to sort of compile or as a place to put together all of your CER resources. What I mean by that is imagine like a homepage and on that homepage you post different links and those links or the, the page itself would probably pose a question to the students that they have to answer in the CER format and then there's resources on the page that help them gather information as they build their claim, as they gather evidence and as they you know as they explain that with with their reasoning and I really like this because with the Google Google site as the housing for all this, you could do everything from putting links to, say, a Google Doc, where they will submit their final written CER, uh, links to all the information they need, links to uh, maybe a place where they can collaborate and share ideas before they build their final CER. It's just a fun, creative way, uh, almost to, like, disguise. I hate to say we're tricking the kids, but a lot of the times that's sort of what this feels like, right? You're just tricking them into really doing a writing assignment, but it just seems a lot more engaging because you're not just handing out a blank piece of lined paper and saying respond to this question
1: so this is not just a science thing my uses with claims evidence reasoning we we stretch the whole way across uh multiple different content areas i've i've worked with english and the example that i gave in english was uh who was responsible for killing or for the deaths of romeo and juliet All Right. so for the first one we started by giving them the question and then they had to make a claim. Um, you know, the families were responsible. And then they, what they had to do is gather their evidence, which are the excerpts from the story, and then from then they had to connect the, the evidence to the answer and try to make a case why that particular person was more responsible than all the others. So that was an easy way in English, and that lasted one period. Uh, they already read it, so i mean they were able to push it out and it was kind of a good summative way of testing whether or not they really understood the story uh in history we did the same thing for uh it doesn't always have to be concrete it could be very opinionated for example the causes of World War II. There are several causes of World War II. But if you ask them the question, which cause was the main cause, or which cause actually led to war? There's no right or wrong answer. There are several causes of it. However, they had to pick their cause, go out and find evidence or why they think that was the beginning or the turning point of no return and then make their reasoning to do the both. But the way that I use Google Sites for all these is I make one template and that's what I push out to the teachers and then we fill it out together first page is an intro page. You have a picture. You kind of have some type of um, artifact there that gets them thinking about the topic. Uh, For example, I did one called, uh, Can You Save the Polar Bears? And I had a New York Times video. It was a a video that just showed the melting of the polar ice caps. And as they scrolled down in the article, uh, it gave them a whole bunch of different facts. From that, they had to come up with a question. It might some of them just said why are the polar ice caps melting some of them were more specific and tied it to climate change but from there it's self-discovery they take ownership of their own project and then they have some type of way of presenting it at the end so on the site you have your project page you have the claims evidence reasoning which explains each step you have a rubric page so what you're looking for in the project and you have a resource page and then the last one that I enter in later is the project page where they will post their project. It's
0: probably actually pretty similar to, and I'm glad to you pointed out that it doesn't just have to be science or a claims, claims, A claim with evidence and reasoning is like any response to any question across you know grade levels and subject areas, so that's important. But as you were talking, it kind of reminds me of our our seventh one, uh, which is if you've ever done a a case study where there's like a hook and you give students a problem, it kind of models the inquiry process, but just where they have to come up with a solution to this problem with this like data that you provide, um, very similar to what you just described. You could house a case study with a Google Site 2 as as, again, the, the location where all the resources are are provided to them
1: yeah in a case study you typically provide them with the evidence you just give it to them yeah and then they have to go through it so everything that in a claims evidence reasoning sometimes you provide it but sometimes you could also have them go out and search for the evidence so that's that's a difference but case study usually when i think of that i think in numbers so there's definitely a difference but number eight we talked about this before but it's very cool it's very unique uh it's becoming more and more popular and every time we say it no one understands what it is and that's a pecha kucha and a pecha kucha is simply 20 google slides each one of them lasts 20 seconds it's timed there's way Words on the pictures behind you, but you're telling a story with your words. And the con- connection is with the pictures behind. So it's a very, very unique way of presenting. It keeps everything timed. They have to know their material, they have to be super organized. And usually it ends with either a live presentation or it ends with a screencast. Either way, um, both methods work. Both are very, very cool ways of presenting. And it keeps everything on track and on file. So you have a artifact there that you can deal with if you use the screencast. So you could
0: like film them and post the films, the recorded versions on the, or the screencasted versions on the site, I guess when they're done is like a way to house everything.
1: Yeah. So what I like yeah. to do is once again, you have your project page. It explains what you're doing. Uh, we used this in the 1920s. Uh, we were doing themes of the 1920s uh, for the great Gatsby. Um Before they started reading The Great Gatsby, the teacher wanted them to investigate these themes. Uh, They each picked one, and then what they did is they went and they collected, uh, you know, evidence, research, that type of thing, and pictures and they made their 20 slides out of pictures, and then they started uh, taking the research and making a story out of it, so it, it, it all went together. So what I would recommend is using the Screencast-O-Matic version as their practice. This is kind of their formative assessment, and then you can you can view that as a teacher, give them some feedback. That way, when they go to present it in front of the classroom, you know, it's it's where you want it. And that's where you would give them the, you know, summative grade for that summative assessment.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a, that's a really cool way to do it. Our, our ninth idea is um, if you want to build a, just a, what we've called uh, many things, but I think a passion project is the best way to describe it into your classroom or maybe once a week or once a month or however often you want to do it or just during a, select time of the year, the students get to investigate and research something related to your class but that they are passionate about. Um, It's just a way to kind of really maximize their engagement in whatever subject you teach because you've given them the freedom to choose this topic. Uh, A Google site is a great way to sort of both administrate that project in the same ways we've been talking about where you can post, you know, different links to rubrics and resources and all this kind of stuff but also a great way for the students to compile and produce their own project if they have a video component now that video can be embedded right into their site if they have other digital maybe in like an image they've made some infographics as part of the passion project something they want to share if it goes out on social media if this is something you want them to try to share with the world now it's a website so that makes it really easy to do I think passion projects are like a nice uh, uh, fun way and in a, in a cool way and relative and a relevant way to uh, use a Google site f- for a
1: project I know at our school we have independent study and this is where students can kind of request them making their own course or their own subject to study and they get a mentor which is a teacher to kind of sponsor that and to check in on them and stuff and then at the end of the year they have to make a presentation to the independent study chair. This would be kind of goes along with passion projects, because if you are interested in a certain topic, we don't offer it. It's kind of passion. So this would also be another fill in for that. So let's go to our last one. We've talked about this, so we'll be relatively quick. And that is uh, you could use Google sites to host your student podcasts, whether it's something that's going to be regular or something that is just uh, one project, but everyone in the class is doing it. You could upload their audio uh, to WeVideo or something like WeVideo, Throw an image over top of it to make your mp3 audio file turn into an mp4 video file with just like a a stagnant cover art image and uh, you can put those on a google site and you could share those that google site out so people can listen but essentially you're just putting your audio onto youtube and to please youtube you have to put a picture over top of it and then you could take that youtube url and embed it into a google site you could have people vote on who has the best podcast you could i mean really the the options here are endless
0: i like this because it gets rid of the need for any kind of fancy podcast hosting there's a lot of easy ways to to set this up if you want to do like a real audio podcast we've got a whole episode on that you can check it out but just post like you said just Get rid of all that. Some of the most popular podcasts in the world, their their biggest uh, the listenership just comes from the the you know video version that's put up on YouTube. So that's a really great way. And then like like you said, put them on that Google site. So. That's a ton of ideas and as we were going over, I sort of got myself re-energized about Google Sites and just so many different types of projects you can do to make them more uh, uh, exciting and and engaging for your class. So, hopefully, somebody found something in there that's going to spark a new version of a project for them this year where Google Sites can become a, a bigger part of that.